just got informed that if you're not from here, you're considered a, a flatlander. So this flatlander is going to preach to you today, all right? Y'all ready? Awesome. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bible, say, oh yeah. If you don't have your Bible, say, oh no. Come on, somebody. You can get one in the hallway. You can get one out in the foyer, all right? Listen, if you don't have a Bible, you have two options. You can steal it from your neighbor, but then, you know, then you commit a sin. And then, um, or you can just look on with them, all right? Here we go. Or the screen, yes. Genesis chapter 1. It's the first book in the Bible. (laughs) All right. Sorry. All right. You can hold up. Here we go. Let's pray and we'll get rolling. Father, thank you for your word today. God, we are a people, God, that believe it wholeheartedly, God, today. God, we believe it from Genesis to Revelation. God, we know it's true. And so, Lord, we just open up our hearts wide. And, Father, we thank you for filling it today, God, with your truth. Father, thank you for coming, God, and just crowning, God, every individual here, God, with just uh, just your value. And, uh, God, the way you see them and the way you care about them today. Father, thank you for pouring out your anointing and your presence in this place today. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. If you're titling, uh, if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is just simply this, Masterpiece. So Genesis 1, we're, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Here we go. It says, In the beginning God created. Somebody say created. created. Created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering. Somebody say hovering. Over the face of the waters, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. I want to bring two words to your attention out of this passage of Scripture. We're going to lay down a foundation, and, and we're going to just kind of build the thought as we go today. But the two words, we've already said them, is created and hovering. So if you're taking notes, the first word, uh, created, we're going to hit this fast because i got a lot to say. Uh, the first word created means this. It means to bring into existence or to birth. Somebody say to birth. That's the part, that's the part really of that definition I want you to grab. To bring into existence or to birth. Now, the second word, hovering, or your translation may say, uh, hovered, that the Spirit hovered over the deep. Uh, the word hovered means this. It means to be moved with the feeling of tender love. To be moved with the feeling of tender love. Therefore, when we put these two words together, created and hovering, we see that God literally birthed this world into existence by tender love. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Now listen, another way that we can say this is this, is that God fathered the world into existence. Please grab a hold of that, that God fathered this world into existence. Now let's take this a step further. You're already there in Genesis. Uh, move, move to uh, verse 26. Genesis 1:26, a very familiar verse. But it says this. It says, Then God said, Let us make. Somebody say make. Let us make man or mankind in our image according to our likeness. Now, the Hebrew word there uh, that we found in Genesis 1-1 is the same Hebrew word that's in Genesis 1-26. So it could basically read the same thing. It's there. It means to bring into existence. So the word create and the word make, let me say it a little bit clearer. The word created and the word make are the exact same Hebrew word. And it means to bring into existence or to birth. Or we could also say, once again, it means to father. All right? So this verse here in Genesis 1-26 could read like this. Remember, I'm building, some, building this to something, right? It says, then God said, it could say this, then God said, let us father 
mankind in our image according to our likeness. Are you with me today? Are you with me today? See, the biblical truth here is reinforced by other verses, uh, just a few here. Hebrews 12:9 it says this, that God is the Father of spirits. A lot of us have heard, heard it said that God is the Father of all spirits, right? We've heard that. Yes? Maybe not? All right. So also Ephesians 4, 6 says this, One God and Father of all. Matthew 6 and Luke 11, we all know it, is the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. So when we consider all of these verses and, and many others like them, we can see that in the same way that God fathered this world into existence, He also fathered each one of us into existence by His tender love. Are you all with me today? Thanks, Megan. Listen, the reason I want to say this is because somewhere down in our hearts, that truth right there that God fathered us into existence should reaffirm the truth that we already know, that God's personal, that God's kind, that God's caring, that He's gentle, that He's loving, and that He's an intentional Father, right? Yes, hopefully we know that. And it rejects the lies that says that God's distant, that He's cold, that He's uncaring, uh, that He's rough, that He's unloving, and that He's some haphazard, higher power, supreme energy. Right. I'm amazed by even watch this. And there's a reason we preach these things, because I'm amazed by the churches that most of us grew up in that tell us the opposite. Yes. In other words, that somehow they, they depict God as a father who's abusive and not a father that's one of tender love. If you've ever known that to be true, say, oh, yeah. So, listen, let, let's maybe sit here uh, for a second. I actually want to show you. Uh, through the Bible in, in Psalms 139, I'm going to read out a different translation. I actually want to show you how intimate this process was that when God fathered you and I into existence. Psalms 139, we know that uh, King David wrote it, uh, but he said this about the fathering process. I'm actually going to read out of the New Living Translation uh, because it makes it, uh, honestly, it just makes it clearer. But it says this in verse 13. We're going to read verses 13 through 18. It says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Watch how intimate this is. It says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Now, there's a great joke there, but we're going to leave it alone. All right, here we go. It says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your translation may say fearfully and wonderfully made. And then it says this, it says, your workmanship is marvelous. It says, how well I know it. It says, you watch me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. And then it says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Let me maybe say something for some of you here today, where it says there that uh, your thoughts, basically that you can't even number them, right? Those are positive thoughts. Not negative thoughts, okay? But listen, I don't know about you, but to me, that's such a beautiful scripture. Such a beautiful passage. And once again, so personal and so intimate. But here's the part I want to focus on today is uh, we're kind of just setting our course here. Is when I, when I read that portion of scripture in that translation, the New Living Translation, there was one word that really jumped off the page. And obviously I underlined part of it, but it was the word workmanship. Can somebody say workmanship? So immediately when I read that, my mind went to a verse that we've talked about on several occasions, but it's, it's Ephesians 2, uh, verse 10, and it says this, Ephesians 2:10. it says, For we are, notice that it doesn't, say we're not, it doesn't say we're going to be, it says we are. Yes, we are even now, that we are His workmanship, created, once again, created means fathered into existence, created in Christ Jesus. 
So watch this so we can have a better understanding of this process and how the Father created this. I want us to look at what the word workmanship means, and then we're going to take off here, okay? We're really setting our course now. Now now's where we're going to go. So workmanship means this. It means a design produced by an artisan. Now understand an artisan is someone who works with their hands. Is that true? So a design produced by an artisan or a poem or a work of art. A design produced by an artisan, a poem, a work of art. So this verse could read like this. For you are the Father's design. I'm not talking about your neighbor today. I'm talking about you. For you are your Father's design. Or it could say, for you are the work of your Father's hands. Or it could say, you are, you are the Father's poem. Or you are the Father's work of art. Are you hearing me today? Now, listen, I have, I have personally only ever written one decent poem in my entire life. And that was about 20 years ago, and I have no clue where it's at. So I'm not a poet, all right? And, and when I was a teenager, I had this dream. I had two dreams, really. I'm vulnerable moment here, all right? I had two dreams. I wanted to be a professional artist. As you can tell, I'm not, one, I'm not that, okay? So the other dream, I really wanted to be an NBA basketball player. Hey, too white, too short. All right, here we go. Didn't happen. Not living the dream. I remember my uncle told me one day, hey, look, son, you better get a jump shot. All right. So anyways, so listen, even though I don't have a resume as a, as a poet or an artist, I, I still feel pretty confident when I say this. OK, please get this because it's really important that when a poet writes a poem, there is not a useless word written. That every word holds significance and meaning because the poet, watch this, you know this is true, because the poet is extremely deliberate in choosing the exact words that will, na- will enable him to convey the message or the imagery of his heart. Let me say that again. Let me read a little better. That every word holds significance and meaning because the poet is extremely deliberate in choosing the exact words that will enable him to convey the message or the imagery of his heart. See, a poet actually weighs and thoroughly considers every word before he assigns it to its special place. Isn't that true? Listen, in fact, I believe the poet himself can be characterized as one who is choosy, specific, particular, deliberate, and intentional with his words. Because why? Because that's his way of communicating to the world around him. Is that true? Now, listen, nearly the same thing can be said for a professional artist. Key word there is professional. All right? Professional. Professional. All right, here we go. It's key. Here we go. Let me tell you why I said this. We have a few, uh, just for fun, we have a few professional artists in the church, and, and, uh, and uh, we have a professional writer here. So I sent this out. Hey, is this true? I'm missing thing. Help me out. And this first thing I'm going to say, one of them sent back and said, uh, that's true about a professional, but not an amateur. An amateur just kind of goes frailing, and then they try to find their way there. So anyway, so it's very important we keep professional here. Any amateurs here? All right. Anyways, all right. Here we go. So, all right. Here we go. So literally every stroke of the paintbrush holds a purpose, that every color is deliberately chosen, that every bit of shading is placed intentionally, that every stroke has a significance because it ultimately brings about the form of the final picture that is birthed from the artist's heart. Are you with me today? Therefore, every stroke of the artist's hand holds great value and meaning. Why? Because through it, through every stroke, the creation reflects the creator. See, there's that work of art. Basically, that work of art is his vision revealed. Are you hearing me today? So why am I saying this? Because I personally believe that God wants you and I to know today that we're not a useless word that's been written. That we're not some collection of some accidental frailing strokes on a canvas. 
that we are his deliberate, purposeful, and intentional masterpiece. Can somebody say masterpiece? Listen, if we realize it or not, the Father has birthed you and I and put us on display for everybody to see. And what, what is he wanting people to see? He's wanting people to see his reflection. He's wanting people to see his heart in action. He is trying to communicate to the world around you and I through us. Amen? Do you believe that's true today? And once again, let me, let me say this. I know I'm joking about the professional thing, but God's not an amateur God. He's professional as they come. Amen? And so the, when God does it, he does it with perfection. He doesn't do it uh, accidentally. Amen? So, all right, so let's take a moment here and let's, uh, let's consider a few famous poets. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not real big into poetry, but I know some of the famous ones. We have Emerson, Whitman, Poe. Uh, let's consider some renowned artists like Michelangelo, Rembrandt, Van Gogh, uh, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, and all the rest of the Ninja Turtles, right? So, anyways, um, let's say that, that you and I had the opportunity to go back in time and we had a chance to ask these extremely gifted people if they created or if they birthed their masterpiece on accident or if they did, did it deliberately and intentional. So, you know, were they, in other words, were they deliberate and were they intentional in their workmanship? Can, can we kind of ask them today, you know, hey, look, did you throw it together or was it really well thought out? Did you have a plan? And so, you know, I think the answer would be from all those guys, I think they would say with great passion that they were very intentional in their workmanship. In fact, I believe that they would say that they gave their absolute best. They gave their heart and soul and their, and their workmanship and their masterpiece. Wave your hand at me if you'd agree with that. So, listen, and I also think that if we suggested otherwise, that somehow that their masterpiece was created on accident, that they somehow just arrived to that whatever deal, they'd probably considered that as an insult, wouldn't they? Yes? So, listen, here's kind of the point of why I'm saying all this today. If these men that we just named, if they can put their heart and soul and their absolute best in their workmanship, why would we ever think that our Heavenly Father, the artist creator, would do anything less when it comes to his workmanship? You all hear me today. Why do we think he'd do any less? And I also think that if we would somehow tell him that, hey, look, God, I, I think I'm an accident, Right? I, th- I think you made a mistake here or there. I think he would be insulted. But, you know, I, I think the truth is today that uh, every one of us, at one point or another, have insulted him. Yeah, I don't mean that in a mean way, but we do it like this, and we don't, and we don't do it intentionally, obviously. But I think we insult him when we look in the mirror and we complain about what we see. Yeah? That when we let our insecurities keep us from being who God created us to be. That we insult him when we wish we had someone else's gifts rather than our own. That we insult him when we act like someone we're not or when we're ashamed of who we really are. That we insult him when we give in to the temptation of who others want us to be instead of who he's called us to be. Anybody ever done any of that? Because I sure enough have. Amen. Thank you, few people, for being honest. The rest of you, we know you're guilty too. All right? So... Listen, in essence, when we insult God, we do what, we do what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 9.20. It says this. It says, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? It says, Will the thing formed, that's us, right? The thing formed, say to him who formed it, that's God. Why have you made me like this? Why have you made me like this? Have you ever had one of those moments with God? Why have you made me like this? Or somehow when you look at who you are, and most of the time it's in comparison to somebody else's, and you wonder why God made you that way. 
Yeah? But see, I have this, this, just this simple thing that's in my heart that just kind of says this, that we'll never be able to convince God that we're not His masterpiece. It doesn't matter how much we complain, how much we gripe, how much we have a pity party. At the end of the day, we will not be able to convince Him otherwise. Amen? Amen? All right, so let's shift gears here a little bit, okay? Out of that list of poets and now the list of artists that we gave, have you ever noticed that not one of their masterpieces look the exact same? Now, now I don't necessarily mean that, you know, a Van Gogh looks different than a, than a Rembrandt, okay? I, yes, I mean that. But, I mean, have you ever looked at a Rembrandt then looked at another Rembrandt and noticed they're not the same? Right? Because there's something about when something is, is repetitive and it becomes common, it loses masterpiece, right? It's just a, a normal thing. It's like going to Walmart and grabbing a picture that they reproduced a hundred times. Yes? So, listen, it's, it's in the same way that God has created each one of us different. In the same way, watch this, maybe a better way to say it, that God has created every one of us to be an original. He's created every one of us to be an original. And there's something, uh, there's peace in that when you grab a hold of it, Right? So, in other words, it's this, and I want you to please hear this with an open heart. But our Father is so intentional in how He created or how He fathered us that it literally gets down to this, that the color and the tone of our skin, our smile, our fingerprints, the iris of our eyes, our DNA, our personality, our intellect, our physical characteristics, our talent, our giftings, our emotional and spiritual temperaments, even our own mannerisms, all of those are different than any person that's ever existed. So it's kind of like this idea, if you can understand, that, that it's when basically it's a blend of all those things that makes us unique and authentic, that makes us original. In other words, it's kind of like this. Okay, Sean's came over our house before, and after the first time those guys came to our house, Jen, they leave, and Jen goes, doesn't he remind you of Pastor Bob? It's the pastor we used to work with in, in North Carolina. They laugh the same. Their mannerisms are the same. It's, it's almost mind-blowing. It's so identical almost, right? And so, anyways, and so, but at the end of the day, when you look at all of who he is, completely two totally different men. Yes? So let me maybe give you a natural example so you can understand this a little better. When we're talking about being unique in all those areas. Uh, how many of you guys got a brother or sister? All right, I got four brothers. No sisters. Hallelujah. <laughs> a girl would have had a tough go in our household. All right, so anyways... So how many of you guys have uh, more than one child? I got four of them. All right? Of them. <laughs> so, all right, so watch this. So when you look at your brothers and sisters, some of you guys may laugh similar. You may have some of the same mannerisms. There's been times I look, and when I laugh, how I scratch my nose, I'm like, man, that's so my brother Brandon. But when you look at us as a whole, we're not the same people. Yes? When I, when I look at my kids and when you look at your kids, you may even see, you know, a little bit of you in there. Right? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but you see a little bit of you. Right? And so, anyways, but all in all, your kids, even though they're from the same family, right, same mom, same dad, they, they, they don't act the same and they don't exactly look the same. Is that true? So, listen, why should we be surprised when it's that way in the kingdom? Yeah? Now, watch this. We are going somewhere here today. So, hang tight with me, all right? If you're taking notes, write this down. Our individuality is a gift from our Heavenly Father. Our individuality is a gift from our Heavenly Father. Listen, I don't know about you, but I haven't always seen my individuality as a gift. Anybody else with me on that? 
Listen, especially when I was a younger, young believer. In fact, I remember, and this is so stupid, but I, I remember when I was 18 years old, I showed up to ministry school. They had a special service to kind of commission us. We were the new class. Woo, right? And so, you know, I'm up there, and, you know, they come, you know, because it's church world, right? They take a sword and put it, put it on. But you're like, what are y'all doing, right? I mean, now I look back. I'm like, y'all people are crazy. Anyway, so so they're putting the sword on the shoulder, and these former students come and pray for us. I had three people in that night. I've been saved very briefly. They prayed this prayer, okay? Exact words, all three of them. God, he's weird, but, Lord, you can use weird people. You know, the first one, I was like, all right, whatever. Second one, I was like, hey, thir- okay, all right. It's like out of the mouth of two or three, let something be established, right? So, but, but, I, but the reason is so funny, looking back now, you know, all these years later, all, what, 19 years later, I look back and I go, the reason they thought I was weird is because I didn't fit their Christian mold. Are you all following me? Because I didn't fit exactly the way they thought a Christian uh, should be, how he should talk, how he should look. You, you know, I showed up and I was the only dude in there. I had, you know, all these kids trying to wear this hair. Now I had it, you know, whatever, 19 years ago. You know, shaved all here. All this was really long down here. Had a doll chain on me. Well, they made me take out my earring. But, uh, you, you know, and I had a size, uh, what, like a size 30 waist. I was skinny then. It was good. And so it was size 30 waist, but I wore like size 40 pants. Listen, don't judge me, all right? So, Jen has already told me, look, if I knew you back then, I wouldn't have looked at you twice. <laughs> what? Jesus would have made you, all right? Anyways, but, but in truthfulness, watch this. When they all said that, I kind of laughed it off. Oh, that's funny, okay. But on the inside, we've all had those moments, I thought, man, is something wrong with me? Because you've got to remember, I've only been saved like a brief minute, right? In fact, I'm not even quite sure how saved I was when I showed up there. Um, I had zero relationship really with God. I just knew I needed him. So anyways, here's the point of why I'm saying this, is that when we don't see, I'm really kind of building to here, so please grab a hold of this moment. When we don't see our individuality as a gift, we end up falling into a trap of trying to imitate another one of God's works of art instead of being the masterpiece that he's called us to be or created us to be. And here's the sad thing, because we probably have all done it at some point or another. Here's the sad thing, is we begin to try to, I'll pick on this girl over here. I go, okay, because uh, here's what I did. Here, I'll just get really honest. I, I sat there and we went in our, in our, every day we started with an hour prayer, and I said, oh, God, what am I going to do for an hour? What am I going to talk about for an hour? You're crazy, you know? And so, I, I, anyways, I sit there and I try to watch all these other people. And there was these people that were much further along in the kingdom than me. So I said, okay, so I'm going to imitate him, right? And what's so funny is when it really gets down to it, he's really imitating her, and she's really imitating her, and she's really imitating him. Everybody's an imitation. Are you all following me today? I, I, I love the way Larry Randolph said it. He said basically that Christians are suffocating uh, basically from sameness. We try to be the same. God didn't create us to be the same. Amen? So, listen, Larry Randolph, Larry Randolph also said this. He said that, talking about Christians, that we are an echo and not a voice. That we are an echo and not a voice. In other words, we aren't the original voice. We're simply a, a repeated imitation. We've all been in the spot where we've screamed something, right? And, and, it, and it pops back at us. Hello, 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 hello. That's us. Yes, instead of being the original one that, that gave it. 
And, uh, you know, here's kind of what I was thinking about even this morning I was preparing. I, I thought this. Man, sometimes I wonder, are, are, we trying to, are we trying to conform to the image of Christ? Or are we trying to conform to the image of other Christians? And see, here's the problem. Watch this. Here's why I'm a word guy, okay? Because until you learn to fall in love with the word and you, and you get in the Bible and read the Bible and fall passionately in love with it, until you learn to see him in there and start imitating him, you'll always take second best and try to imitate everybody else. Folks, we need to read the Bible. Amen? L- listen, I, I know people that are trying to... Uh, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. But, there, but again, yes, this, is, but this isn't about locals. This is about worldwide. Here we go. So anyways, so basically they're here in the kingdom, all right? And they're trying to be over there at that wall in the kingdom because they see that's where other people are at. But they've never laid the foundation in their own life to be able to get there. And let me jump ahead of myself for a minute just because it goes here. I remember one day I was in the bathroom. God ever speak to anybody in the bathroom? Man. I've had some major revelations in there. I was in the bathroom one day, and I said this. I said, God, I want to anoint you like John Bevere. Most of y'all don't know who he is. One of the greatest preachers in our nation, in my opinion. I said, God, I want to anoint you like John Bevere in my life. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Quentin, are you willing to pay the price that he's paid? Are y'all following me? Because we see the product. We see the, we see the end result, and we want to be that. But we don't want to know the hell that they walk through. We don't want to live it. Are you with me? If you're ever going to be there, you're going to have to walk through hell. Amen? That deserved a much better amen. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Preach it. All right, here we go. Listen, the guy named Oscar Wilde said this. He said, he said, most people are other people. Their thoughts are someone else's opinions. Turn on the TV right now and watch some presidential stuff. Boom. All right? Their thoughts are someone else's opinion. Their lives a mockery. Their passions a quotation. Let me break that down. Their lives a mockery. A mockery literally means an absurd misrepresentation or imitation of something. Key word is absurd. What's a quotation? Their passions are quotation. It simply means to repeat something. That we repeat someone else's passion. Amen? It's, it's kind of like this. Here, I'll, I'll be honest here, okay? Um, there's a few of us here that have been in ministry, and it's real easy to go online, and they'll tell you, hey, if you come to our conference, do exactly what we've done. You can get the same results we've done as a church. Anybody ever seen anything like that? If you do that, if you do this five-step deal here, then you'll get this. Okay? The only problem is, is God hasn't called us to be them. He's called us to be us. Yes? He hasn't called us to be a quotation. He's called us to grab, literally to grab a hold of the horns of the altar, lay our head against his chest, go, Jesus, what do you want celebration life to be? Not what someone else wants us to be. Amen? Am I making any sense today? All right, so let's simplify this a little bit. And I'm going to talk a little bit more personal, and you, and you attach it however you want to to your own life, okay? But when we talk about being originals, it's really this. Because I'm an original, one-of-a-kind son of God, or daughter of God for, for you ladies, okay? This means the way I interact with God, the way I pray, the way I hear from God, the way I worship, the way I preach, the way I minister to someone at the altar. Remember, talking my world. The way I lead, the way I interact with people, my calling and vision is going to be different than everybody else's. Are you hearing me today? Here's why I'm saying this, okay? Because um, here, we'll just jump out and we'll have some fun here, okay? There's like a thousand stories I'd like to tell you right now. But... So I've, I've been around in my, whatever, time in the kingdom, some powerful men of God, okay? Let me give you one, okay? He's, uh, 
uh, we're really close to his kids, and maybe one of his kids might come here and minister. Maybe he'll come. I'm not sure. But we call him Pop, all right? And Pop lives in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And Pop was sitting in a service. He's been a pastor for years. They've, in his denomination they used to be a part of, they would send him to all these really tough churches, okay? Uh, mean, meaning that they were about to shut the door, and he would go in and basically restore it and hand it off to somebody else anyways. But he finally landed in a spot in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, just so you know God's anointing is there. And so... Um, that's where Alabama's at, by the way. The university. I'll help you out, okay? All right. The Crimson Tide. That's the city that they dwell in, all right? All right, all right. That's because I'm from away. Flatlanders. Flatlanders. Anyways, lighten up, folks. It's all right. All right, here we go. So, anyways, um, this guy is probably, in general, tell you, this is the kind of guy that will walk up to you, no joke, never met you before, and he'll go, and he'll say, okay, I'm Roger. Hi, I'm, I'm Pat. That's his name. He'll go, um, Here's what happened before you got saved. Here's what happened when you first got saved. Here's where you're at right now, and here's where you're going. I'm not playing with you. The man will read you like that. Okay, but you spend much time, as he does with Jesus, those kind of things happen, okay? So anyways, this guy, seriously, it, it doesn't help that uh, he's had some eye disease, and he's had, some, uh, had to get new eyeballs. But when he looks at you, just like, man, he's got that crazy look. <laughs> the prophet. <laughs> right? So... So, I mean, but this guy will read your, yes, will read your mail. And, and there's times where he come in and being young in the Lord, I say, okay, Pop's coming. I better repent because he's going to, and he's going to see, he's going to see every, all the garbage that's in me. I better get it right. You know, he's going to call me out. Anyways, so kind of say that, say this. So Pop is in one of his services one day and he is literally, there's an altar call time and a man walks up and, uh, while he's praying with the man, Pop hauls off and Pop was a big man then and punched him square in the gut. Boom! Hit him, in the, hit him right in the stomach. The guy bowed over. Ugh. And here's what he said. Until you hate your sin as much as you hate that pain right there, don't you ever come back to this church again. Watch this. You go, you know, you, you better be in the spirit, by the way, right? You'll get sued. A week later, it came out in the news with this picture. He'd been raping women in the city. All right, so watch this. So let's say here's a young guy. Pop did it. <laughs> Wouldn't work too well, would it? No? Yes? But here's, here's what I did, okay? I'm going to be really honest with you, okay? I saw a guy like that, and I admired him so much in the kingdom. And I knew that certain giftings in my life, whatever, and literally how that man would walk in the room and he could call it. That started happening with me. And here's the problem, though, is I didn't have the brokenness and the father heart and the love of God in me to the level that he had. So when I started doing it, it came from arrogance and pride. Are you following me? Yes. And I remember one day, you know, I was doing my thing, being me, trying to be spiritual, trying to impress people, whatever. Right. Because you got to impress people. You got to show them that you're spiritual. Uh, I had an old prophet that actually is with Pastor Tommy that's down there. He came to me and he said, uh, remember, it was New Year's night. He said, he said, the Lord was saying, my son, I've given you a discerning spirit, but the enemy has come and put a critical spirit in its place. You know why? Watch this. I hope I'm making sense to you guys today. It is because I try to be someone that I wasn't. I made room for the enemy to come and twist and pervert what God did, what God really wanted to do in my life. Am I making sense? Okay, watch this. Let me see if I can. Uh, all right, here we go. So. 
I remember sitting in a service one day. There's, we're all going to go somewhere here. I remember sitting in a service one day, first time I ever saw John Bevere minister, okay? And John goes uh, in the middle. I mean, it's like getting wild up in the joint. And God, he's calling out words of knowledge. Somebody's got this. Somebody's got that. People are coming. He's laying hands on me. Boom, God's touching. God's healing people all, all, all over the place. In the middle of that, he goes, um, he goes, if you are a young man and you're called to ministry, come up. And we're, we're like, you know, this, anyways, the place was packed, so the whole altar was full. And, and he told everybody to lift their hands, and he came down and, and literally just, I mean, fast, just slapped them right here. Now, now, now and they're <laughs> like dominoes. God's moving, okay? Then he goes, if you're a young woman in here, you called to the ministry after all those people kind of got up. Um, if you called to the ministry, come up. All these ladies line up. And I remember I'm sitting, I don't know about where Michelle's at, and I'm standing there. And he goes, somebody get me a cup. Somebody get me a cup. And he pours water into a cup, and he takes the cup, and he does this. And water goes all in the crowd. You know what happened? It was like a bomb went off in the place. People started falling like dominoes. Power of God hit them. Are you following me? Now watch this. Now what if I tried to say, somebody get me a cup? We're just going to get people wet. You, you know? So, am I making any sense? Yeah. All right. So, there is a point here. Even when it comes to prophetic, even before I was old enough in the faith to know even what a word of knowledge was, they were happening. And so there was things that, in other words, with, uh, with me, well, let me back up, let me back up. So, okay, so Pastor Tom is here last week. A lot of what he talked about was words of knowledge, and they come in different ways. But a lot of times what will happen with him, he'll, he'll look out at a crowd and say he'll see Lindley, and he'll see almost like a ticker tape, and he'll just read it. Doom, 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 doom. People, that's God, Right? There's, there's other people that God really uses in words of knowledge and healing together. They'll actually feel a pain, like, like their knee, right knee will start hurting. And they know that's not their pain. They'll go, hey, uh, I, I'm just feeling this. God wants to heal someone with a right, basically got pain in your right knee. And hands will raise up, healing, Jesus' name, healing, and people getting healed. I mean, I tell you stories and stories, stories of all this stuff, right, how God moves. Okay, so all of that's words of knowledge. There's different ways. So with me, personally, the way they come with me is either I will see just a word. I never, I've never seen a word over anybody. I've never seen a, um, never seen a ticker tape. I've, I've never, you know, a lot of the guys that operate healing, what they'll do is they'll see like a lung. They'll see a lung, and they'll go, God wants to heal this, okay? With me, it's always just in little simple pictures, and it's just one wording. But here's the reason I'm saying all this, okay? Because it would be real easy for me to go, well, why doesn't it happen like it happens for them? Are you following me? In other words, for me personally, I've never stood up, I'm not saying it won't happen one day, but I've never stood up in front of a crowd and just saw boom, boom, boom things. Mine's always been in the altar times, praying with people or just an interaction with people out and about. I'll see one word or I'll see a phrase. It's like when I close my eyes, I see it there. Or I'll see a picture or a series of pictures, and God lets me know what it means. Am I making any sense? You guys about freaking all you guys out? Okay. So the reason I'm saying that is this. I'm doing probably a really poor job at it, is God's kids all have different giftings and different anointings on their life. And when we try to become somebody we're not, we really quench or quench based on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Am I making any sense to you? It'll make sense more as I go here in a second. But maybe let me get a little bit more practical, okay, more simple. Pastor Brian, okay, one of the people that I probably uh, admire the most on the planet, okay, with some of those other guys that I mentioned, 
uh, that man, I love hearing him pray. I love it. That man will, will pray about a carburetor, and at the end you're going, God, make me a carburetor. You, you know, it's like he just has a way to, to paint and put things in perspective and, and paint pictures with his words that you're going, man, I saw God's talking. Are, are you all with me? Y'all been there. Y'all experienced some of that. Um, I can't do that. I can't. One of our mutual friends, Pastor Scott, who's Pop's son, uh, this guy, if he ever comes here, he's told me about 15 times already he wants to come here and preach. But if he walked in the room today, literally, you give him, you give him 20 minutes to work the room, every one of you will feel like you, you have been, you've never been loved more than that in your entire life. I mean, the guy is a natural encourager. Um, he is just so good at just seeing people and speaking life and speaking hope and all these things. Guess what? I'm not that. I'm not, you, you know, and there's been times when I'm saying this is because I've looked at those guys. If it's operating in the anointing or just them in everyday life, and sometimes I wonder, God, why am I not like that? And some reason, because I can't do it like them, is something wrong with me. Am I making any sense? I'm talking circles here. Anybody ever done that? See, see there's something about, I remember when I, when I taught, uh, you know, I ran school of ministry for years. And, I, and I'm watching these young guys come up, and they're being preachers. And I remember uh, one time, uh, one of the young guys got a chance to preach a Sunday morning service back home. And he's preaching, and I'm sitting there with another one of our students who's his best friend. And we're sitting there, and not in a critical way, just, I, I mean, I've, I told him actually after this, so I don't feel like I'm saying anything bad. But I'm sitting there, and I go, just listen to the guy beside me. And he's like, that's Abner. That's Britt. That's, he just, that's John. He starts naming these people of who he's imitating while he's preaching. And here's a young man that's this, as, as gifted and anointed as he is, he had yet to find his voice. Are you hearing me? Because there's something about being, uh, growing and developing and learning who God's made you to be. Yes? Amen? Uh, all right. Um, got all kinds of stuff I want to tell you. I'm trying to figure out what I want to say here. It's just really interesting to watch all of that. I'll just say it that way. And, and even it's, it's so funny, I, I, you know, there's, let me maybe say this, that there's certain ways that people minister with people in the altar. Like I have a friend, I'm telling you, he could get, he could get that stool over there baptized in the Holy Ghost. I mean, it's just like, I hate you, you, you know. And, um, but it's so funny with him, how the God, God's operating for him. He says this, of when I lay hands on you at the moment when I say now and I touch you, it's going to come. And I've seen it literally with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. That moment, you know, you know, he could go there and slap that, but it's not going to happen because that's not where his face at. There's things and ways that God will teach you how to minister to people that that's the point of your faith of how he interacts with you. Am I making any sense to you guys? And it's so funny to watch, especially with, with part of my job for years of training young people in the ministry, of watching them mimic people. In fact, I remember one time I, I, I read in a book one time that this guy that uh, basically when he get basically when he feel like the anointing really hit and he start preaching, he'd always do this, and he'd start preaching. He'd get it right. What happened was the students in the school they felt like the anointing hit, and they start preaching like that. And one day someone finally had the courage and said, "Hey, why do you grab your ear like that?" He said, uh, "Because I'm hard of hearing in that ear, and I do that so I can hear myself." And all these kids are thinking, that's the anointing. 
Listen, I got a really good friend. He's probably one of the best teachers I've ever heard in the kingdom. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. He's two years older than me. There's a certain minister that some of you guys know if I said his name. Um, you know, phenomenal minister. Uh, from the time from the time my friend got saved, he started buying this guy's tapes. I said tapes, right? Not not tapes. And we go back, all right? So anyway, so he would listen to these things again and again and again and again. I mean, he, I mean, he would he'd wear them out till they broke. Truth. But what happened was, is here he is, 25, 26, 27, 28 years old. I think he's, I think he's a year older. No, he's three years older than me. All the way to this day, it's so funny. Some things have shifted. But this young guy would open his mouth to go teach, and he would sound like a 60-year-old man. He changed his voice. He changed the way he enunciated things. Because why? He thought that was the anointing. Are you hearing me today? So I know I'm giving you guys a lot of stuff that's maybe here and not necessarily in y'all's world. But, but if, you, if you stop and think about it, next time you pray, you go, who am I mimicking? I remember one time I went to a prayer meeting with a bunch of youth pastors. Well, no, sorry, it was a bunch of senior pastors, and I knew all their youth pastors. And I sit back and I watch, and, and uh, you know, obviously I'm praying with them. And I watch the senior pastors pray, and every one of their youth pastors prayed the exact same. And I thought they haven't found their voice. Now, listen, there's a part, let me maybe say this. There's a part that we're going to glean from our spiritual fathers in our lives. Okay? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right? Paul said that. So there's going to be an element of that, but I'm talking about people who go overboard and try to become somebody they're not. All right. Let me move on. Here we go. Thanks for letting me share all of that. Hopefully something stuck. All right. Watch this. So once again, to go back, the way you interact with God is going to be different the way you interact with everybody else. Right? Or, or the way God, everybody else interacts with God. All right? So, as a young believer, personally, I was trying to discover who I was in the kingdom. I was trying to fit in. In other words, I spent so much time, watch this, imitating prayer styles, imitating preaching styles, imitating giftings of people that I looked up to. And, um, but after years later, basically, I realized this. I realized that God doesn't anoint imitations and copies. He only anoints originals. Really saw that get there. Maybe I should have said that earlier. <laughs> God only anoints original. So listen, so if you and I want to be anointed by God, then we got to once again, we got to seek God and go, God, who do you want me to be? And somewhere in your own heart, you got to say, I'm free to be me. I'm free to be me. Amen. I, I remember as a young believer, I heard, I, heard a, I heard that, and man, it jumped in my spirit. And I remember walking around for, I don't know, like a year. God, I thank you that I'm free to be me. That weird guy. God, you can use weird people. I'm free to be me, God. I don't have to be who they want me to be. Amen? All right, so listen to this verse, and i got to speed up when we get out of here. 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's a familiar passage, but hear it in the context of all the stuff we've been talking about. 1 Samuel 17, verses 38 through 40. It says this. Are you, can you see it? Awesome. It says, So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him in a coat of mail. Good joke there. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Folks, I'm telling you, it is time to take off who you're not. Amen? Verse 40, watch this. I never noticed this until yesterday. It says, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself. That's a lot of he's, him, himself, right? 
It says, five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he already owned, right? In a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. Are y'all hearing me today? Here's the point. God, does, God hasn't called any of us to wear Saul's, Susie's, Johnny's, or anybody else's armor. Amen? Listen, he wants us to pray once again, discover who he has made us to be, and not, watch this, and not until we pray and discover who God has called us to be, not until then will we be prepared to do what? To draw near to the enemy. Are you hearing me? That he could not draw near to the enemy and saw stuff. He had to find his own stuff, and then he could draw near to the enemy. And here's really what I want to tell you guys today. We will never be able to defeat the enemy in our lives as long as we try to imitate someone else. Because the victory we need requires weapons and the anointing that God has given us, not that other people want us to have. Amen? All right, so let's close with this thought in mind. We'll see if we can land this. Um, the Italian artist uh, Leonardo da Vinci, we know that he, he, he painted uh, what's considered to be the best known, the most visited, the most written about, the most sung about, the most celebrated work of art in the world. And we all know it's the Mona Lisa, right? If you've heard of the Mona Lisa, wave your hand at me. I'm trying to help some people wake up. Some people are struggling. Here we go. All right, so, whoo, got to help somebody. Anyway, so listen, uh, it is also considered to be the most imitated work of art in history. So, listen, do you know how much the original Mona Lisa painting is worth? It's actually went up in the past few years. But the value of the Mona Lisa is said to be worth more than $1 billion, I said with a B, $1 billion. Although many experts contend that the work of art is invaluable. A billion. Gee, it's, it's paint on a piece of paper. You know what I'm saying? A billion. All right, anyways. But... Watch this. Why is it worth that much? Because, because according to the experts, it's an original. It's a masterpiece. Now, here's the point that I, I don't really want any of us to miss today. If you don't have a spare million laying around in your sock drawer, if you do, call me. We have needs, all right? So anyways, but if you don't have a spare billion laying around, basically you could always go the cheaper route and buy a printed copy. You can get a printed copy of the Mona Lisa for $5.99 online. Are you hearing me? A billion, original, a copy, $5.99. So listen, before you do that, I want you to understand something, that that doesn't even come close to 1% of the original value of that masterpiece. Not even 1%. And, and here's why. Because the original is always more valuable than a copy, right? Copies are cheap and they're easy to find, so don't be one. Amen? Amen? Don't be one. Listen, there, there's a guy named John Macy. He said a quote years ago. He says, you were born an original. Don't die a copy. Pretty good quote, yeah? So, listen, once again, let me maybe say this. And I know I already kind of said it. Um, part of the reason, once again, this is a repeat. But part of the reason why we try to become someone else is because, is A, because the insecurities, we don't like who we see, right? And we think that if, that if I don't like me, Basically, no one else will accept me, so I better change and maybe look at that part like that person that people accept. Right? Is that okay? L- listen, I, I, I work with youth a long time, and teenagers are really bad about doing that. But I'll tell you what I found out over the years. Adults do it, too. They do it, too. They're just grown up. There's bigger versions with more toys. Right? Same drama, same issues. It's there. Okay? Did I hurt anybody's feelings by saying that? <laughs> Maybe so. All right. Kyle will do counseling with anybody that got offended from that statement afterwards, okay? All right. 
So here's the thing, though, of what, of what I've come to realize, though. Once again, is the reason we want to imitate other people is, is because it's easier. It's, it, it's a whole lot easier to, once again, to imitate and to get in the closet and say, Jesus, change me. Change me. Make me who you want me to be. Is that true? It's very true. So, you know, you know Jen, Jen actually said some really good things about this. I wish I had time to read. But if we were at a distance, right, if we were at a distance and we saw the real Mona Lisa put the same frame on it, put a copy next to it, and we said, okay, whatever, at 100 yards, whatever, tell me which one's the original. Be pretty hard. But listen, she said something I thought was really good is this, is we wonder why a lot of us in this room don't want to let people in. We don't want them to get close to us because we're afraid that they're going to see that there's not the natural brush strokes that are there. It's just going to be pixels in this printed copy. They're going to find out that we're fake and a phony, that we're really not who we say we are. Yeah? yeah. Yes? Yeah. It may, Listen, life is a whole lot freer when you just go, hey, here's who I am. Right? Listen, at the end of the day, here's what I know personally as a pastor. Pastor Tommy's going to come in. Oh, we love you. You're awesome. Wish you'd move here. He literally heard that, right? Thinking you'd move here too. It'd be easier for me. You know, whatever. So... Hey, you're the man, dude. So anyways, but, but here's the thing. I worked at that church for years. And I know that, that everybody in his congregation isn't enamored by him. Are you following me? I've been with Pastor Al. We'd go places and, and, and literally watch the anointing in his life where nobody had been saved in three years. And the man get up and give an altar call and 100 people run to the altar and get saved. I've seen it. You're amazing. I, I've slept in the man's bed. Not with him in it. Let's clarify that. <laughs> She was in it. Hey, there we go. So, but, you know, watching his kids, you know, he's a, he's a regular guy. You know, we mentioned John Beaver, all those. I've been around all those guys, and I've, I've seen them get angry. I've seen them have bad days. I've seen them cry. I've seen them, I've seen them be human. Yes? Yes, I did have a point. I was going here somewhere. Is this, so watch this. So, so listen, so I could either go, in fact, let me say it's just because it's funny. I remember having a moment with Pastor Al years ago. That's my, for you guys who don't know, that's the pastor I worked for before I came here for 14 years. Um, and I remember Pastor preaching his heart out for like six months on the subject, right? It was awesome. And then John Bevere rolls in town, right? This national, international known author and preacher, right? Comes rolling in. They're best friends, okay? Comes rolling in and John preaches to everybody in church. Wow, that's so amazing. And Pastor goes, I've been preaching, I've been saying the same thing for six months. And y'all didn't hear anything I said, and you heard him. That speaks a lot about honor, by the way, because we get really common with our pastors, right? And we, and we because we don't know the other guy, we still honor him. Okay, honor is really when you know someone and you know their junk and you still love them. Put that in your pocket and take that home, right? So, so listen. So as a pastor, watch this. I have been around people, uh, a lot of ministers that are fake as it comes when they get in front of people. I hate to say that, but that's true. And the reason is, is because, they, because of trying to keep people looking at them in a positive way. And, you know, and here I come, right? I'm in the same process you're in. Jesus is changing me. I got stuff I struggle with. Do I think I serve Jesus? Yeah, wholeheartedly. But guess what? I'm human. Jesus still, he's still dealing with me. He's still changing me. I'm still growing. Yes? So listen, as a pastor, I chose to go, you know what? I'm going to be free to be me if they like it or not. Because I know that Jesus accepts me. 
Are you with me? So I know when you're like that, you're going to say things and do things. Your personality is going to rub people wrong and all of that. When none of us were ever made to get along with everybody. It's not going to happen, right? It's not. But there's that part of I personally rather just go, hey, I'm going to be free. I'm going to be me because there's a whole lot less issues working in our hearts, right? Am I making any sense to you guys? All right, whatever. I'm going all over the place. <laughs> yes, stand to your feet and we're going to get out of here. I have preached way too long today. Let me end with this point, okay? The moment that you and I try to be someone different than who He's created us to be, we lessen. Please get this. Don't leave here today without getting this. We lessen our value in the kingdom. The moment that we try to become an imitation or copy, we lessen our effectiveness to the ones God's called us to influence. Watch this. Please hear me on this. If you try to be somebody that you're not, okay, then guess what? You just hurt yourself with being the dad that God called you to be. If you try to be someone you're not, you just hurt yourself with the anointing that God has placed on your life to be the mom that God's called you to be or to be the, be the, uh, the son or the daughter, the brother, the best friend, you know, the coworker, the boss, you know, all the, all the roles that we have. At the end of the day, listen, once again, God only anoints original. He doesn't anoint copies. And if you want to be the best that God's called you to be, then be you. Right? Because watch this. The moment you quit being you, you cease to exist. Because there's only one you. There's just one. Right? Amen? Am I helping anybody today? All right. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Tell you, I tell you what, just close your eyes. In fact, let's just uh, chill for a second. Let's just get really... Maybe a moment for the Lord. If you know that, man, I, I needed to hear that. I need Jesus to do something to me. I need to a relief of pressure trying to be someone I'm not. If it's to be a certain kind of Christian or all these things, whatever. Now, hear this with grace. I'm not saying in that that that's not a license to sin. We still follow the Word, okay? So I'm not talking about that stuff. Sin is sin. Don't do that. But if you're going, you know, I'm, I'm tending to conform to other people and not to Christ, and I need Jesus to help me there with who I am as a masterpiece, or maybe I need to say this, I really needed to see myself as valuable to him that he views me as a masterpiece. Just lift your hands, please. That's you. Amen. That's good. All right. Jesus, you see every hand that's up today. God, the bottom line is, is like, even as we said earlier, we'll never convince you that we're not your masterpiece. And so, Lord, today, God, in your sons and your daughters' hearts, God, I ask, God, that you would somehow, in some way, I don't know how you do it, but, Lord, you do it, that you put value, God, on every one of these people. God, put value. God, that you've literally given them an anointing. God, that you've given their personality, their giftings. God, every bit that makes them them. God, you handpicked that. God, you were deliberate. God, you were well thought out in how you made them. God, you knew, even, even in this sense, guys, get this, that even as, a, even as a, a poet picks a word that fits the whole, God designed you as that one word to fit the whole properly to make up the whole body of Christ. So today, Lord, I'm just asking, God, for every person that's got their hands up and even us that don't, Lord, I'm asking today, God, that we would be so rooted and so grounded in your love for us, God, in the way you see us, God, and how you value us, how you treasure us. And, Father, I pray today, God, just the, the uh, spirit of performance. 
God, that grabs so many of us to be who we're not called to be. Lord, break that off of us in Jesus' name. God, let freedom, God, reign in our hearts and our lives. God, that literally those words, free to be me, would be branded on every person's heart today. Father, thank you for liberty and freedom. Liberty and freedom. God, and I thank you that as they have the courage to be who you called them to be, God, I pray for a fresh anointing to come upon their life. God, those literally, God, let them have the courage, God, to be who you've called them to be and not worry about who they're not. Because, God, you're not worried about who they're not. God, you see who they are. God, you see the seeds and, and, God, literally everything that you've planted inside of them. God, you see it. So, Lord, help them become that. Help them have the courage to let you do that. Lord, I just ask, God, right now that you would just maybe, in a real personal way, that you would point out the areas, God, that you want to see shifted, Lord, in their hearts. Lord, we know in our weakness your power is made perfect. So, Lord, I'm asking, God, that you would come in your perfection. And, God, you would tweak and twist and turn and do everything that they need to do or that you need to do. Father, we're still just, man, just clay in the potter's hand. And so, Lord, today we just choose to be pliable and moldable. And, God, we choose to allow you to form us and shape us, God, into who you want us to be. So, Father, today I just bless your people. Father, I thank you for how awesome they are. I thank you for their heart, for the kingdom. I thank you, God, that they have such an amazing love for one another. Father, today I just pray, God, that you would bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. God, with everything that you desire to do in their life, and Lord, how you desire to move. So thank you today, God, just for fresh identity, fresh confidence, God, that fear would be broken, that insecurities wouldn't rule and reign, but confidence would today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Awesome. Good, huh? Yes. So, guys, thank you for coming today. Uh, man, we love you guys. If you need prayer, um, Cal will be up here. Cass will be up here. Jen will be up here. And uh, they would love to pray for you. Okay? Thanks for coming. God bless you guys.